0: greetings my friend once again how are you
1: (laughs) doing swell what about you
0: oh also very good um so we can just jump right in if you would like yeah
1: yeah i mean i would just really recommend people listening to this episode that you go back and listen to the one before it because we started talking about brazil and uh we're gonna talk more in depth now. So if you don't get the more generalized analysis, and you know if you don't have any idea on how Brazil works, you're probably gonna be lost a little bit. So it's a, a you know complex argument I'm trying to develop. If you don't get the broad analysis, the general part, it's gonna be difficult to really check out and then come back here listening to this one and that's it
0: yeah and hey the more listens that you give me um, the better I feel about myself so go right ahead and, and listen to that other episode because it was a good great conversation um, but yeah so we're gonna get uh, a little bit more in depth with kind of what's going on in Brazil um, and, and you know just just some general questions about uh, uh, the struggle there. Um, So in the last episode, I kind of asked you to go over a broad sense of kind of the class composition, um, which is the main reason why it would be a great uh, uh, thing to listen to the last episode. Um, But I wanted to ask you, um, how have the last almost two years Uh, As in kind of the pandemic um, and kind of the things that were happening right before the pandemic, um, how has that affected the political environment in general Um, and kind of what are the people's main interests uh, when it comes to like social and political gains? What is it that the people feel needs to change most often?
1: Okay, um, I'll bring in some analysis that go farther than those last two years, but we'll try to focus on those, this, this pandemic period, you know, but well, we've been ever since 2016 uh, on a social and political crisis, a crisis of ideology that started with the, 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 the 2013 protests against the social democratic, gov- the democratic government. Um, it it didn't start really against the, the the government, but against some specific policies that this coalition government that had liberal elements and social democrat- democratic elements had, and the left could have. Use that as an opportunity to criticize liberalism and regain strength going more to the left, starting to defend socialism again, etc. But they didn't. Their strategy hindered them, and the right turned the protests against the government instead of the left turning the protest against liberalism, you know? So we've been living in this limbo where all kinds of different ideologies try to give answers to the problems people see in their lives. To try and by heart quote Antonio Gramsci, a great Italian Marxist, everyone should read at some point in their life, go read Gramsci. Um, we're living in, in this limbo where the old hegemonical thought hegemonical ideology fell, and a new dominant one is not yet ready to be born. And in this limbo, monstrosities appear. So, we're having this very crazy time in Brazilian politics ever since 2016, where a soft coup d'etat happened here. You should Google it, you should look for. Dilma Rousseff's impeachment she was our first uh, female president here in Brazil and she got impeached in a very controversial political movement that many people still call a coup to this day but anyways uh, we got the elections of the sorry the election of Jair Bolsonaro in 2018 and Ever since that we've been living in a semi-fascist time, you know, like, I I believe if I had the opportunity to talk to some Italian living 100 years ago, when Mussolini had just rose to power, but hadn't started the full military dictatorship that fascism in, in Italy was, we would have so many things in common, because there's a constant uh call for a closing of the, the regime like starting a military dictatorship all out uh or completely removing social rights and since the left uh, the social democratic left had brought about brought to the table you know many social rights and kept on defending the improvement of the quality of life, welfare state, that kind of thing. Since the social democratic left has kind of collapsed, not entirely, but you know, it doesn't have the power it used to, it doesn't have the social appeal it's used to, social rights have been demolished ever since 2016 and they, keep getting more and more demolished day to day until now. So we had so many quote-unquote liberal reforms that have completely ruined the quality of life of people. Uh, Starvation is back. Uh, There's so many people uh, who are starving right now, so many that don't know if they will starve in the coming days, Uh, so many that are, are having very poor... Uh, day-to-day foods you know most Brazilians don't eat meat anymore and we're one of the top producers of meat and liberal uh, vegans have been cheering on that saying oh that's so awesome Brazilians finally got consciousness no they didn't get consciousness they just don't have the money to buy meat anymore and you know uh, job rights have gone downhill the the social uh most social rights like um, forgot the word in English when you retire you get a payment for being too old and pension. for having worked thank, thank you yeah pension yeah that's that doesn't happen by the government anymore it's used to now it's all getting privatized and most people have not invested throughout their lives in private pension funds so the people who are older, Are really desperate because they have expected the government would pay them and worked the whole life hoping for that. And now they simply are told, you know, get your last working years because you're going to retire soon and invest that money in a, a private pension fund. And investing for just a couple of years won't get you anywhere. So older people are just expecting to work their asses till they literally fall dead and can't work anymore because that's a synonym right now. You know, like if you can't work, you're going to die because there's no pension funds. Good luck. My parents are in that situation right now. Um, Younger people are struggling with unemployment. Unemployment is rampant. It's like one of the highest rates in the history of Brazil and the pandemic only made it worse. we we already have half a million dead people here in the country, so one every four hundred Brazilians has died to COVID nineteen, and that's the numbers told by the government. We know the government is hiding the numbers. So it's probably way higher. And the expectation is that if vaccination keeps on the rates we are we're at right now, it's gonna be like one million eight hundred thousand dead people by the end of the year. (sighs) What other great things can I tell you about the current situation? (laughs) It's it's horrible. It's horrible. The the pandemic has been the worst thing that could happen in a fascist government because whenever the people, uh, um, you know, blame the government for something, one of the monstrosities in the ideology will come and give you an answer and the the other one will give you a totally different one. Some say you should shut the fuck up and keep on working to make everyone's life better. But you keep on working and your life doesn't get better. Some say that it's, it's bad because the government is still doing too much. We should shrink our government and cut more social rights. That's been getting done for the last four years. That's not improving anyone's life. Uh, And then there's the sock dams that only aim to get reelected so they can recover the social rights and stop the bleeding, as they say, and get social rights back, get the the reforms and they hardly, many times they don't even aim for a full recovery of the social rights we had before 2016. Most times they only speak about a couple reforms they want to get undone. They're totally <coughs> fine. To, they're totally fine to keep the other ones. And what else? Yeah, and they, they seek to get re-elected, and then there's the radical left telling people they should organize that this is the bourgeois' fault because uh, all they want is a uh, Liberal ideology is the bourgeois ideology, is the ruling ideology, and we should not pact with that. We should not fear uh, fascism because we are we are already living the worst of it. Life cannot possibly get worse. There's nothing to lose, <laughs> but you know your sh- your chains. Motorcycle noises out there. Sorry.
0: No, you're Third good. World. We we can hear you. Quite well, it's okay, my friend. And you make a fantastic point. There's nothing left to lose, but our chain. Um, did you have anything more to yeah. say about kind of what uh, the pandemic has really caused in mm. Brazil and kind of how it's shifted um, the livelihood of mm. a lot of people?
1: Mm, I think that's that's a good summary of the situation. And hold up! There's someone knocking my door. Real you're okay. quick. You Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well, your life can't possibly get worse if you're a poor Brazilian, and most of Brazilians are poor, either from their their whole lives and background, or because the pandemic made you poor, and you know, life's terrible, and the radical left has telling has been telling people, organize, try to solve your problems by yourself, aim for popular power. Uh, connection issues, sorry. So, yeah, the, the radical left has been telling, aim for popular power, aim for the people's empowerment, and uh, don't wait for any savior to come and help you in the next elections. We cannot wait for the next elections because the next election is going to be in 2022, uh, 2022. And the, too many people are going to die until then, be it by COVID, by starvation, by lack of minimal infrastructure, etc. So. We have to fight, we have to resist, we have to go to the streets and call for the taking down of Bolsonaro to the end of fascism before it's too fucking late. Because th- there's really nothing to lose at this point. Situation can only get worse by the worsening of the, the things that are already out there. So like there's no new play that could happen. To make it worse, unless it's really a military dictatorship, the end of democracy, no freedom of expression. This, other than that, it's only the worsening of what's already there: the worsening of the pandemic, the worsening of the corruption, the worsening of the, the starvation, the worsening of the lack of social conditions to do the bare minimum uh, isolation, etc., etc., etc. That's it. And we've had some, some good good improvements in that sense. The protests that are happening in Brazil are a good demonstration of that. And if you have not heard about the huge demonstrations in Brazil with more than one million people, more than 500 cities with protests, it's because there's a, you know, iron curtain in our media because freedom of media and capitalism is bullshit and... You should really look for it.
0: Like all freedoms under a capitalist system, they are freedoms for the capitalists themselves. Um, so this freedom <laughs> of the the press and of speech is, of course, freedom for those who dictate what it is that is included under those supposed freedoms. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to say mm-hmm. a few things on kind of what you you had brought up because I think it's you know worth expanding on, because I think, you know, there's a lot that's been happening, not only before the pandemic, you know, obviously, you and I both know that the global south since the late 1800s, um, Haiti, you know, being the first in the early 1800s, they've endured a lot of social uprisings, revolutions, um, rebellions, and things of that nature. And ultimately um, there is a vibrant um, working class um, history uh, that exists within these countries. However, like you've mentioned time and time again, the liberal propaganda, the capitalist and imperialist nations control of uh, the media, that not only we consume within the belly of the beast, um, but also that a lot of folks in these supposed quote-unquote third world underdeveloped uh, countries, um, it also controls a lot of the media that they consume because of their own national bourgeoisie, which has accepted money or social privilege or political power uh, through the avenues of you know, the U.S. State Department um the World Bank and other organizations that are um incredibly uh affluent when it comes to involving themselves in the inner workings of you know not only Latin American but global South politics in general. Um I have a friend mm-hmm. who uh lives in Venezuela. Um his name is Felix. He's an older gentleman. Um, And he has told me for months now, since the beginning of the pandemic, how awful the situation there is due to um, sanctions, due to incredible job loss, due to an incredible um, inability to acquire the resources that are necessary to handle this pandemic um, to the point where a lot of retired people have had to um, come out of retirement in order to Um, labor once again to earn a living and we oftentimes see this being wagered as an accusation especially against Venezuela as to why socialism never works (laughs) but I think um, your example of Brazil and the situation there shows quite clearly that in fact the difficulty does not come from Uh, within the socialist states um, but it comes from outside within the capitalist hegemonic um, monster because as capitalism expands it also hits multiple levels of crisis and when it Mm -hmm. hits crisis it needs to concentrate its wealth and one way which it has done a great job of as we might say, cutting the overhead, um, cutting the the fat off um, of what they wanna pay is by outsourcing a lot of jobs into uh, quote unquote underdeveloped nations and intentionally uh, impoverishing them and further uh, uh, underdeveloping them by paying them pittance wages by um giving them no social or political uh power and revoking them of all benefits like you said uh of any kind of retirement healthcare mm-hmm. um things of that nature and it's incredible how deadly capitalism is And it has been Mm -hmm. this way for its entire life. And this is why I myself uh, have been able to call myself a Marxist is because there is one person and well, I should say two people uh, at the the beginning of what we might have called scientific socialism at one point who were able really to wager a, a, a true conclusive analysis of this beast in order to see it in its truest form and, you know, mm-hmm. as clearly as possible. Um, and I think that with your, you know, coverage of, of the situation in Brazil and a lot of my listeners knowledge of the United States due to, you know, living oftentimes uh, in the United States, I think it's quite clear that we no longer can continue this, end of history discourse um uh uh the a member of the because i i don't want to make the incorrect claim of of what po- uh social position he held but a member of the onondaga nation uh which is a nation near me um uh had a book um his name is leon Shenandoah. Um, and in that book, he wrote that it is now the end of the end of history. Um, yes. We are truly seeing global climate uh, change, um, uh, global warming, incredible droughts, uh, incredible heat waves, which are in places like, uh, uh, you know, Latin American. Countries, a lot of places where they are trying to build food sovereignty. This can oftentimes Mm -hmm. destroy entire harvests and and eradicate uh, food sources for millions of people. Um, And I think that it shows quite clearly that the problem is not socialism, the problem is capitalism. And the problem is foundational mm-hmm. it is not something that can be reformed as it has been attempted time and time again we now live in the age of quote-unquote neo-liberalism um, and it's quite funny because liberalism has been failing for 400 years or has had at the very least an incorrect analysis it's done a pretty good job while still having an incorrect analysis but it's ultimately been wrong this whole time and been only able to support itself on the exploitation of millions of people across the world. Um, Definitely. And I think that one way that we see that exploitation quite often in our individual lives, especially as people who um, aren't able to dedicate our time to learning the theories of socialism, maybe who aren't able to dedicate our time to studying these things, Uh, we oftentimes are first awoken to it due to political corruption and and very obvious misuse of, you know, uh, political power. Um, This is something that you in Brazil are experiencing right now um, and have experienced for quite some time (laughs) on multiple occasions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to ask just real quick, like, You know, one of the ways in which that's trying to be combated is there's currently a call. um, I am not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce the official call, uh, but it is a a call for the impeachment of Bolsonaro. uh, um, And I think that, you know, this is one way in which we oftentimes see the people reacting to the misuse of political power. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what do you think this might mean, you know, the impeachment of Bolsonaro, if it were to succeed, um, for the overall kind of political theater in Brazil? Um, and what are, you know, anything, uh, if if there is anything more that people are seeking outside of just simply impeaching Bolsonaro?
1: Yeah, yeah right. Before addressing that question, I would like to, to uh, make a small addition to your your thoughts. Of course, you know, of course. topics you were addressing before. It's very important for us to always, whenever there's an opportunity to destroy a liberal ideology in its most ridiculous form that distorts reality and occults the, 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 the material conditions and the reality that's happening out there. Whenever we talk about famine, People go and rant about communism being the source of famine because people in communists had to wait in communist countries, communist-run countries, had to wait in lines for bread because this and because that and yada, 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 communism, communism is the source of evil, communism is the source of famine. It's fucking bullshit. Ever since the Soviet Union fell, 600 million people died by starvation. Was the, 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 the to blame on the communists? Where have the communists been doing this evil to the world since the Soviet Union fell? They have been shy. No country had a socialist revolution since then, yet the hunger grew. Yet we have been producing... Three times more food in the whole fucking world than we need to feed one world. We're producing three times more food than the the whole of humanity needs. And yet, in 40 years, in 30 years, sorry, 600 million people died by starvation alone. That's to blame on capitalism, not socialism. Stop believing liberal propaganda. Stop buying into that fucking bullshit that all those lies see reality for yourself go look into the conditions of the countries that produce the most food out there brazil has one of the highest uh, um, areas of arable land of crop land that's being planted today and yet we've had we've seen the the, the return of famine, the return of starvation. We are having people starve to death here right now. Why? Because we're planting soybeans to sell in the market because soy is a commodity that, that pays well in the market. If we had been planting food for people to eat we would not have starvation, but capitalism doesn't allow for that. Capitalism only brings more concentration of land, more planting of shit crops that no one wants, and more starvation, more exploit, more exploiting of the peoples, especially in the third world countries, especially in the global South that still works as a colony today. If countries in Western Europe and North America and Japan, South Korea, etc., if they're quote unquote healing, from the the COVID crisis. It's because countries in the global south have been hindered of being taking measures to combat the pandemic. It's because we're getting exploited to our very core, to our very last penny, to sustain people in the central countries. Imperialism is helping you by killing us. And it should be addressed in every single opportunity there is. Sorry for... (laughs) uh changing the topic of no uh, I'm the glad questions you were asked.
0: able to say that because that's a fantastic point um if you had anything yeah. more to say go ahead and say it um, but otherwise we can move to the question but obviously do whatever you would like
1: <laughs> well yeah that's that's just it if, if you're in central countries you have to criticize imperialism you cannot forget imperialism exists you cannot pretend it does not because it's killing people. Today, it's killing people right very now, and it's hindering countries in quote-unquote underdevelopment condition that are not allowed to ever develop and be really independent, even within capitalism. Latin America has had a history of capitalist countries throughout the whole of the Cold War, and all of those countries, like Brazil, and like many others, like Argentina, like Colombia, our countries with people starving today, with people living on the bare minimum conditions of life today, and that's a result of imperialism. It should be addressed always. Now about the impeachment of Bolsonaro, uh, many politicians from the liberal field, from the social democratic field, from the center, quote unquote, um, they they've been trying to maintain ideology and the social structure and not criticize capitalism and you know keep things as they are just changing the player the, the president but keeping the social structure, keeping the reforms going on etc by not criticizing the bourgeoisie be it by fear as the sogdams uh, are or by sheer like and share of, of ideals as the liberal are, liberals. But, you know, th- those two fields have something in common, that is, do not question the basis of capitalism, do not question the policies the bourgeoisie pursues, make them happen. The only difference is that the sock dams are like, make them happen in a way that the least people starve even though people will still starve, you know? So, uh, addressing the impeachment, it's happened just like that. Many, many people from those fields have tried to uh, keep uh, the the, the impeachment question uh, centered around the figure of Bolsonaro himself, be it by saying... Uh, He's corrupt, which is a very easy to use discourse here, a a way of ideology. Be it by saying he's crazy, he's small intent, you know, has evil intentions, he's a maniac, he has mental disorders, he wants to bring about a military dictatorship. Like saying he's an overpowered mastermind, however crazy he is. That's doing all he's doing by himself, by his by his sole interest. And that all the faults, all the problems in Brazil are his fault. It's like when people speak about World War, World War II and address everything as the fault of Hitler. And then people say, oh, if I had a time machine, I would kill Hitler and second, the, the, the World War II would not happen. It would. Because it wasn't Hitler alone doing all what he was doing. Not everything happened because of his ideals and his actions. There were many, many social classes in Germany and other countries that were supporting him, especially the ruling classes. And the Holocaust should be, uh, I forgot the, the word in English, you know, should be charged off the, the, the ruling classes of Germany because they supported Hitler's ideals, the Nazi ideals all the time. And the same should apply here to Brazil. And we from the, the radical left have have been trying to do that uh, criticism. Uh, many people in the country agree that we're living a genocide. Uh, the countries with similar population to ours have had like four five more less times five less times, uh, the amount of deaths that we've had, that the mismanagement and rampant corruption, even on buying vaccines, the denial to buy vaccines, the uh, many attempts to try quote unquote alternative methods to treat COVID that everyone knew from day zero that they had no effect, that they would get people killed. And they did. And we are having 500 million people that have already died and more are going to die if, if we keep on this way. People have a general sense that this cannot, can no longer continue. But if, come on, if we're living through a genocide, we should charge the genocide dolls, you know, the, the, the people during that genocide. And that. And those people are not one person called Jair Messias Bolsonaro. Those people are the ruling classes of Brazil, are the liberals who supported Bolsonaro from day one, are the ones who keep Bolsonaro's support today, are all the ministers, all the ones involved in this genocide and the the denial of vaccines and the corruption scandals, etc. It's not something new. They had this meticulously planned carefully planned from day one to support Bolsonaro, whatever means, uh, were necessary to get the liberal reforms done, even if fascism is an alternative and fascism has got half a million Brazilians killed. Yeah, I said 500 million, that's more than the population said, said that before wrong. Sorry. But yeah, half a million Brazilians died. More will if we don't stop the genocide now. But the genocidal maniacs are not only the people in power right now in the sense of the government, the elected government of Bolsonaro. They're the ruling classes that supported him, the liberals whose ideology and whose words and ideas and deeds have helped Bolsonaro get there and keep on doing what he's doing from day one and even to some extent the social democrats who have denied to go against him simply by looking f- for the elections but you know uh we're trying to do that we from the radical left to show people that we should yes go ahead with the impeachment of bolsonaro and charging him with whatever charges uh, there could be on a, the hague like, tribunal or something like that the international court Against him for genocide, but not only him, and that 's the the fundamental difference from us and the Sogdams because the Sogdams try their best to simply put the blame on his shoulders, and we try to you know remove the, the whole ideology uh, layer from from things and showing that he could not do what he did, simply alone, simply by his ideals he 's not an overpowered king or demigod or something like that his a mere president who had the support of liberals and the ruling class to do what he did and they all should be blamed for it
0: i think that's a really great way to really frame this question of you know how to hold these governments accountable and how to ultimately empower the people to recognize what it is that they can do, not only through mass demonstration, but especially through mass organization, um, Mm -hmm. because it is the people, ultimately, who have the power. Um, And when people like Bolsonaro um, and, you know, everybody loves to connect Bolsonaro and Trump, um, even though they're just kind of, you know, if you look across the world, you could probably find a million you know, different ruling class officials who you could also say say the same of them Um, because ultimately it's not about the individuals like you were saying, uh, but it is about the class structure and it is about, you know, not only holding, um, you know, saying like, oh, it's the ruling class's fault and and trying to, I mean, because you mentioned the Hague Um, and, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I read somewhere that the United States is not contractually bound to appeal, uh, to that. So as in, if anybody within the U S government or military is charged with something at the Hague, um, they are not required to like actually be, be held accountable for that. Um, I read that in, uh, I believe, A People's History of the United States or um, Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad. That sounds more likely. That's um,
1: awesome. Read that book, please, people. Please read Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad.
0: Fantastic text covering the years and years of history of uh, not only coups, but economic, uh, social, um, and all kinds of uh, oppression that was ultimately orchestrated by the United States um, as well as other capitalist uh, hegemonic powers um, for the sake of installing uh, at first uh, pro-capitalist, pro-USA uh, political people and, and uh, policies. And then eventually, as we know, with Reagan and Thatcher, we have the dawning of neoliberalism, which caused yet another round of incredible um, social upheaval um, and and, uh, incredible outside influence and direct um, infiltration of the internal affairs of these countries, such as Brazil. And I think that you connecting that And also mentioning that it's a larger structure brings us ultimately Mm -hmm. to the conclusion that any Marxist uh, or socialist should be coming to, which is the fact that we have to eradicate the whole system. That means everybody who's a part of the system. That means everything that builds the system's foundation and perpetuates capitalism, imperialism, colonialism and just in general, oppression of people, um, it eliminates the ability for that to go into the future and continue. Um, So, you know, obviously, in that sense, uh, the struggle for the impeachment of Bolsonaro is a step in the correct direction. Um, And we often see a massive split, especially by Western leftists who have nothing better to do than to argue online. Um, I think you see oftentimes an argument between uh, those folks who say, for example, one person who is suffering from this discourse right now is uh, Pedro Castillo in uh, Peru, um, who is suffering a lot of backlash by, uh, I mean, let's really center it, uh, white and Western leftists. Um, who think that because of his party's more uh, conservative views on some things um, although real quick he's being folks are saying that Pedro Castillo is anti-LGBTQ plus and that could not be more inaccurate I mean he's a rural uh, educator who has mass popular support in a country such as Peru which is vastly, you know, covered with not only just, uh, you know, cisgender, uh, binary men and women, but also, uh, you know, as is in every country, many people from many different, uh, uh, you know, social, uh, uh, places, many different political places, but also folks who are, um, you know, oftentimes oppressed and marginalized here in the U.S. and in Brazil, including the LGBTQ uh, plus community. But I think we see, you know, a lot of white leftists saying, oh, so-and-so isn't socialist enough. They say the same about uh, China or Cuba or Bolivia or Venezuela. And they say, well, they are participating in markets. They are participating in capitalism. And I think we often, you know, because we are watching countries trying to build socialism, we oftentimes get that confused um, because we lack in theory and we lack in also uh, action. Um, We don't understand that socialism is a a moving and progressing space. It is not a static um, uh, system, although there are theories of how to build socialism as a single state. It is not the constant and static form that socialism is to take. Uh,
1: like capitalism isn't. Capitalism isn't precisely the same in the US and France and Brazil. It has specificities, it has a lot of differences, but there's some common, common elements that define it as capitalism. That is uh, private property of the means of production, a ruling class called the bourgeoisie that <laughs> dominates everything, a uh, given ideology, Etc. those are common elements among others, but capitalism manifests itself and builds itself in many different ways in different countries. Uh, And socialism should be the same, like it should address the different questions in different ways, even though it has some common elements that is a different set of ideology or preferably no ideology at all, The, the, the sheer reality as it is. Uh, the common own- ownership of the means of production, a fight against imperialism and capitalism domina- domination, a progressive destruction of the social structures that make it possible for classes to happen. Because you cannot only be against social classes in theory and in speech; you have to actively destroy the conditions that make social classes happen, and that is fighting rac- ra- racism. Racism, sorry, <laughs> racism, fighting sexism, fighting LGBTQ phobias, and discriminations, uh, etc. So, like, you have, you have to destroy the conditions that structure classes. That also means ending the private property of the means of production. And, yeah, I think all you've said is awesome. Sorry for inter- interrupting you so far. But, yeah, the thing about Pedro Castillo is really... One of trying to desperately find some excuse to cancel him, you know, like cancel culture from Twitter and make him uh, uh, not an option anymore so that people are, okay, he's he's not leftist enough. He's not socialist. Let's keep Peru the way Peru is right now, a very backwards, shitty capitalist nation. One of the poorest in South America, one of, one of the least industrialized, one of the least autonomous ones, one of one country that has the most racism here, most sexism. And huge inequalities. Let's keep it that way because Pedro Castillo is not enough a savior for us. Fuck this this Jesus culture of waiting for a savior to come save you. You gotta organize and do the social changes you want now without hoping for a savior to come <laughs> that's it that is, that is
0: very true that is no would never be apologizing for saying such true things um i think he, that leads us perfectly into my next question which is um i want to kind of frame it after i ask it just for a second but um mm-hmm. what is the difference between struggling for the sake of reforms or struggling for reform as the part of a larger goal As in, like, when we are organizing, how do we decipher between struggling for reforms only, as in reforming the capitalist system, but ultimately keeping it in place, and struggling for reforms in the search of a larger goal, i.e. building socialism and uh, eliminating the capitalist uh, bourgeois system that we live in today? Um, what, What kind of... Breaks us away from what we often might, you know, call reformism, or uh, Marxists might call revisionism, um, or chauvinism. Um, what really separates the 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 ultimate goals uh, that we are working for uh, from rather than being just simply reforming the system, and uh, you know, as I said working to destroy the system
1: that's awesome i think that pairs well with the the previous question i've uh not completely answered i would like to touch on that subject before also because it is why defend the impeachment of bolsonaro uh is this really gonna help brazil at all isn't the impeachment a bourgeois democratic way that's keeping the bourgeois state without uh, making a deeper social critique like the one I tried to do in my my answer like is the impeachment really gonna help or is it gonna be just another uh, capitalist democratic way of removing a leader without changing the whole structure like getting rid of the top of the pyramid without changing the pyramid itself. Uh, There's many different ways you can address that, but to try and be short and simple, especially considering most of our listeners aren't gonna be from Brazil, to get the people defending impeachment, not simply the political quote unquote class, the the ones, the, the, the peoples who mostly participate in politics, the political parties, the traditional political parties, the liberals, etc., and the Sokdams who have been in power for ages. Uh, they, if, if the people, the, the, the broad masses of society bring about the end of Bolsonaro's presidency, uh, and we win, the people are gonna have a whole new set of hopes set about like, We have been robbed of our hope to dream a better future. And if the people really win this one specific aspect, which is the impeachment, they're not gonna go back to their homes and keep on their lives without dreaming about a better future. They have changed the present. They will want to change the future. They will regain some hope, some political hope, and the sense that the people's power really It's something important to aspire. And, you know, that's the way we're trying to get the impeachment going, to not only remove Bolsonaro, but remove him and his allies, as many of them as possible, by the popular power. And that's really the, 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 the important question, the important topic you brought in your question now. It's like... If we only struggle for reforms with keeping capitalism as it is, we as a generation have been taught that simply looking for that isn't going to fix all the problems because the welfare state has a clear limit. And we've lived that in 2008, as, as the world entered this crisis. We're living it right now in the, the pandemic. And we see that even the best welfare states of Western Europe have all had the same problems as any capitalist nation has. The struggle and, and the contradiction between gaining more money and keeping businesses open or closing them, losing money but saving people. There's a clear contradiction between The capitalist nature of gaining more and more money, enlarging one's wealth, and the limits of our planet, the limits of our social life, of our living, and the limits of the welfare state as well. So when we reach that limit, all the the, the political gains, the social rights, the good living, some of us gained during the welfare state period, go down the drain along the dirty water and we go back to a stage of sheer exploitation without any cute masks you know and it's it's it, you know there's a limit to at which point to, to which point we can go which social reforms can we get which social rights can we get uh, what commodities in the sense of how free speech, life comfort, technology access, how good a living we have. And if you don't see the clear limit by the crisis we've been living through, even in central countries with 2008, with the, the, the coronavirus crisis, that's not a crisis only due to the virus but triggered by the virus it's an economic crisis triggered by the virus but it was already seen coming years before simply looked to the global south, look to the developing countries quote-unquote developing countries that never develop for the last 40 years we've been living an age of worsening of the condition of life, not the improvement. The one exception to that has been China, Vietnam, and the the countries in those two countries, basically. All other countries have got a worsening in their conditions of life ever since the 80s. We have seen no single country in this time advance and become a developed country and the ones that we have seen before that in the 70s, like South Korea, like um, Singapore, uh, have been made that way to hinder back socialist countries like China. It's not a coincidence that the countries, the the countries with the best welfare state of Europe, are the Norse, the Nordic countries, precisely because the Nordic countries had made the border with, uh, with the, the Soviet Union, the Soviet bloc. It's not a coincidence that West Berlin had an awesome condition of life compared to East Berlin. It's because capitalism can help specific regions get better in order to uh, you know defend itself of the, the, the threat that is socialism. But once the threat of socialism was gone, once the Soviet Union stopped growing and the Soviet crisis was seen in the horizon, once the 80s began, there was no need for a welfare state anymore. And neoliberalism was born and we've been leaving neoliberalism for the last 40 years and life conditions only got worse. Look to the global south, see the quote unquote developing countries and see that they never develop. They will never develop unless there is a socialist threat coming. And capitalism has this pattern. It does not allow for certain social changes to happen. There's a clear limit and just looking for reforms will never go beyond that limit. When a new crisis arrives, those social rights, the welfare state is gonna be destroyed and the exploitation's gonna get naked again the barbarism is going to appear again as we're living today. Welfare states don't get anyone anywhere. Socialism does. That's what China is proving to us.
0: That's a fantastic point. And yet again, something that a lot of Western leftists and chauvinists would argue about. They'd argue, you know, China is an authoritarian state, China is not socialist enough. But um, <clears throat> I, uh, I think that you really make a good point that the contradictions are so incredibly heightened and with everything that's going on, we have to recognize that there is no third option um, Mm -hmm. as the red nation puts it in the red deal um, decolonization or extinction, Um, kind of a play on socialism or barbarism uh by Re- Rosa Luxemburg, but I like to say socialism or death because that's really what we we're looking at. Um and socialism is a broad term, um, which we can discuss on another, you know, episode maybe, but I think sure. that I think that ultimately what we are seeing is <coughs> a clear reality that does not line up with the lies that neoliberalism and capitalism have told us. And I think you also see across the world more than just a verbal assault on these oppressive systems. Um, And I think that is ultimately, you know, what we as Marxists aspire and feel is necessary. Um, And we really need to recognize that the, Theoretical consistencies, because we have to be careful with the words we use, of course. The theoretical (laughs) consistencies of a violent revolution uh, concur and conclude in a way that reforms and neoliberalism cannot when it comes to eliminating the issues we are seeing under capitalism.
1: Definitely. (laughs) I was trying to say just very quickly that the Western countries would not be where they are and how well they are uh, without the colonies in the global South.
0: This is completely true. And I think a great way to end this episode um, and we will pick up on this conversation in the next one. Um, My friend, I did you want to do this last one or did you want to do this another time? I don't know how you're feeling, how your throat's doing If you need anything.
1: (laughs) Uh, We can continue. I'm drinking some water here. My throat is fine so far. Not overusing it.
0: Okie dokie. So I'll end this one and I'll send you a new link in a moment. I just have to say goodbye to my partner and use the restroom really quickly. Okay.
1: See ya. All
0: right.